Welcome to the Learning Reinvented podcast brought to you by myself, Katie Godden, and the team at The Learning Effect. There are lots of learning podcasts out there, so we wanted to do something slightly different. This week, we'll be looking at learning transfer and some top takeaways for you. I'm delighted to welcome Fergal Connolly to the podcast. Fergal, do you want to introduce yourself and tell our listeners a little bit about your background and what you're currently up to? Sure. Hello, Katie. Thank you so much for having me on your show. My name is Fergal. I'm a learning consultant. I have over 10 years of experience in l and I've worked across the, the main roles, I suppose, in l and I began my journey as a training facilitator. Then I moved into learning design and held roles in as a learning designer and an instructional designer, and then moved into learning consultancy. Um, on the educational side of things, I have a master's in education and training management. I also have a bachelor's degree in psychology. My area of expertise is learning transfer, which is what we're going to be talking about today. Um, it's not, unfortunately, it's not the most popular topics out there in the world of L&D. If you Google it, you will not find a huge amount of information on it. So I'm trying to boost that learning transfer signal by um, by coming here and talking about this. I write a lot of articles on this topic. I publish everything on LinkedIn. I also speak at events, uh, training conferences and that kind of thing. And I also host the Learning Transfer Radio podcast. It's the only podcast out there that's fully focused on learning transfer and turning learning into action. And I do all these things basically just to just to spread awareness of the uh, the 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 topic of learning transfer and uh, some of the issues that we face in this space. So thanks for inviting me, Katie. And I can't wait for this conversation. Awesome, that's great. So I think a good place to start is to find out what learning transfer actually is. Yeah, definitely. I think it's one that a lot of people in L&D will actually know the answer to already. Um, so to give you the academic definition, learning transfer is the degree to which trainees take what is learned in a training inter intervention and apply that learning in an on-the-job setting. So in layman's terms, it's applying what you've learned, which is what we all you know, what we all know. Uh, it's turning your learning into action, you know? So it's the goal of, of every training event. All of our, all of our different, uh, all, the, all the different energy that we put into the different elements of learning should lead to something, and that something is learning transfer, so turning your learning into action. So perhaps it's an obvious one to your listeners, but what might surprise some people out there is what the research says is we're actually quite ineffective at learning, learning transfer and enabling learning transfer. Some of the research out there suggests that only 10 to 30 percent of all the L&D activities that happen across the globe uh, actually lead to learning transfer. So that one, when I, when I saw that, that kind of stopped me in my tracks. And I thought about all of the time that I've spent designing training and, and, and facilitating learning events and workshops and sending invitations. And I'm sure your listeners and UK, they're exactly the same. The amount yeah. of time that you actually focus on this um, and for all that time to only lead to 10 to 30% of learning transfer, I was like, that really, that really grabbed my attention when I saw that. So that's why I kind of dove into this topic a lot. And if you think about that number, that 10 to 30%, if you think about that in financial terms, um, there is a huge, huge amount of money that's spent every single year in L&D. So we spend money on getting the best tools, the latest tech, the best new LMS, uh, your learning record store, all of these different things, sending people to conferences, creating workshops, all these different things that are spent in L&D. It's a massive amount of money. Um, 
in 2018, there was $366 billion spent in one year alone. Unfortunately, I don't have up-to-date numbers, but uh, expenditure in L&D has only been increasing since the 90s. So I, I imagine this year it would be around that number at least. Um, and to imagine that that amount of money is spent on helping to make pe people better, on, on designing all these different events and creating these different learning teams, and only 10 to 20% of that is actually leading to, to learning transfer. To me, that's that's a massive, massive waste of money. It's a massive waste of of resources because um, we are, of course, a business function. You know, people employ us to do something. People employ us to to help people to be more effective, to do things more effectively, and to transfer their learning. So, it feels like when the business is looking at L and D, they might see us as a. They might have the perception that we're a bit of a drain on the company's resources because number one. We take people away from their jobs. You know, they're doing their jobs and then L&D takes them away to, to give them training, to, to make them better at something. And then number two, when the employee returns to their roles, they're actually unlikely to be more effective as a result of the training because learning transfer is unlikely. So it's a massive issue in L&D, but it is one that I feel the research on this has really pointed to some key areas where we can start to take from the research and turn some things into more applicable everyday practices to increase that learning transfer number. That's really crazy figures when you think about it. And like you said, uh, the amount of time and effort and resource that people are actually putting into creating great learning experiences and then um, for them not to kind of really truly pay off. Um, that, yeah, I, I didn't realise that the numbers were, were that. Um, vast as well. Um, that is really crazy. But what research have you actually found useful in your career and helping people with learning transfer? Sure. Um, it surprised me to learn that this is actually one of the oldest research topics in all of human resources. Um, because I kind of stumbled across this topic and when I looked into it, it's actually, actually there's a massive history going back uh, on this. There's so, so much research out there. Um, and the research, because there has been so much of it, has actually identified over 100 different factors which influence learning transfer. Um, some of them are more useful than others, and some of them are quite obvious, and some of them are less obvious. Uh, so some of the things that have been identified over the years are um, the more intelligent someone is, the more likely they are to transfer their learning, which is great to know, and it might be obvious, but, you know, what can we as L&D really do with that? You know, we can't only invite people who have an IQ of whatever the, that IQ level is. Uh, we have to include everybody. We can't kind of send people IQ tests and that kind of thing before training. Sorry, Katie, go ahead. Yeah, how would you test for that as well? And like, I, I don't think, uh, especially like in workplace learning, that's not particularly effective, is it? Because obviously no. you've got people in varied jobs exactly. and different skill levels, and that's not necessarily based on on intelligence. So you, you wouldn't want to include that as a part of it. And I, I'm sure businesses wouldn't want wouldn't <laughs> want a running team just to uh, train their most intelligent people either. Oh, absolutely, absolutely not. So what what what's happened over time with the research is. Um, some people focused in this area have really, they've gone through and they've analysed the power of all these different uh, factors and they've removed the ones that, you know, that we can't really do too much about. So such as intelligence, you know, that's not too useful to us. Yeah, good to know, but what can we really do with that every day? So the, the, the many, many different factors have been filtered down and the ones that are less useful to us have been not removed from the research, but 
um, the, the focus has definitely shifted to things that are much more useful to us to use every single day. And they can be kind of grouped into three main areas. And one of those areas uh, is the learner. And I think that one's, that one's totally obvious, obvious. So the learner's motivation level, their, their personal capacity to actually to be able to learn and to be able to transfer, that's massively important and influential for learning transfer. The second area is learning design. So do we have valid content? Uh, do we have activities? Is the uh, flow of information arranged in a logical, uh, in a logical way? Um, is there active practice? Are people getting feedback within training events and that kind of thing? So the learning design is a probably a probably the most obvious one. Um, and then the third one is the organization. So that's the the people who surround a learner. Let's say when it's time for them to return to their role, to shift from that learning context to a performance context. What are the people around them saying? What's their manager saying? Is their manager supportive of their learning? Is their manager helping them to identify areas where they can apply their learning? What's the, the kind of the learning culture in place of a company? Because this is what the research would suggest is actually the, the biggest barrier to learning transfer. So that's why this is a hugely important topic. And I think if you look at those three areas of learner, learning design and the organization, we in L&D have really focused on the learning design. We've really focused on the creating of content, curating content, getting content to learners in new and faster ways. And we've kind of ignored the, the learners factors and the organizational side of things. And I think if you look at that, you know, we're only 10 to 20% effective. I think that's because we've really only, only looked at, you know, 33% of the factors that are involved in learning transfer. And we kind of ignored that other 60%. So that totally makes sense. But if you kind of compare what we want to happen uh, to what actually happens after a learning event, you'll kind of you'll kind of get that a little bit more. I feel. So what you want to happen as an L and D professional is you want your learner to begin a new learning journey, a new learning path, a new learning event, whatever your terminology is. Um, you want them to take on that new information, and then you want them to return to their role with that new information and apply it. That's learning transfer. That's the goal of, of what we're all trying to do. But what happens is, yes, that learner might arrive to the to the learning event, or they might turn on their new access, their new um, their new uh, learning module. They might learn some great information. They might get time to practice, and then they they leave that learning context and they go to the performance context, and what happens they're they're hit with emails that they that they missed in the last hour that they were away they've got gossip from their colleagues they've they've got a dog to feed if they're working from home you know they've got a manager who's saying you know where, where are you oh I, I need that report written it was supposed to be written last week and they're doing learning come on we got we got things to do we got things to things to get done so l and d uh, and the, and the business and the and the learning culture are very much at odds they're definitely misaligned so l and d is saying you, you can learn in these ways, you can apply these new skills, but the business is saying, oh, we need things done yesterday, we need those reports written, we need those widgets made, we need you to action, 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 we need you to perform. So, and there's definitely a misalignment between the two, and that's why I feel that the, the learning transfer rates are so low, because you've kind of got two opposing forces. L&D are saying, grow, learn, and the biz is saying, let's do our job, let's do it as quick as we possibly can. So I think, so I think 
I think in L&D as well, um, sometimes uh, we're at fault of potentially over engineering what we're actually delivering to end users as well. Um, so whether that's from a kind of LMS point of view where you perhaps integrate kind of an all singing, all dancing LMS that's got all the bells and whistles, but it's not actually right for the organisation or creating content that's kind of over engineered. Like I've seen numerous courses over the years where uh, they've used every single bit of functionality that's in the authoring tool and it's made it kind of impossible for the end user to, to go through that quickly and actually find the relevant information at the right time to them. Um, I, I think that's that's probably one of the issues as well that, that doesn't help with learning transfer because we're not helping them and we're not aligning it back to what our business actually needs, mm -hmm. um, it, which is to get things out quickly and align to kind of those performance issues as well um, mm. to get people up to scratch um, and not over engineer and not take months and months to create content that's potentially then out of date a few months later anyway. Exactly. And I think because we're so um, we're so kind of set in our ways, I suppose, we're creating this content and adding all those bells and whistles and using all the different functionality of, of our learning and uh, learning creation tools. Um, we've kind of, I suppose, we've got, got our head in the sand just a little bit because we've, we've been taking these approaches and we're going to continue to do these approaches. Um, and there's really we're missing the point a bit, don't you think? We're kind of missing the point of why we're there as a function. Because I think us as the learning effect, we strongly believe that we're there to, to drive performance yeah. um, and to, to drive those business objectives. Um, and that's solely like what our objective is. Um, but if you're then adding all those bells and whistles, you're kind of missing the point of what you're trying to do as a function. Um, and you're driving the wrong thing, I think. You're driving kind of more what you've got capability within a team, which is great. You want to create great content, but you want to make it worthwhile for your end user as well. And so that's all those different factors. We've really only focused on a small subject because we've been focusing so much on the learning design. And we've kind of left that the organizational side of things. So the goals of the business, uh, how a manager is involved in, in someone's learning and development. Um, we, we've kind of left all that stuff to chance. Um, so we've done our, our learning design. We've sent it to the learners, but then we really leave it in the learner's hands. We leave it to the learner to go and apply. Uh, we don't include the manager as much as we possibly could in supporting the learner afterwards, you know, and it feels like we kind of, we step back from kind of owning this because, oh, well, I did my part. I created that learning. I sent it to that learner. Over to you now, learner, you know, go make magic happen. Uh, mm -hmm. Turn this into performance. And I think we need to bridge that gap. And I think we need to be, as l &D, we need to be the ones who bridge that gap with the organization to kind of, to kind of create this more, a holistic experience with regard to learning. And this is where your learning culture really comes in. If you can kind of bridge that gap between L&D and the business um, and, and let people know that learning is, is wanted and learning is rewarded here, you're going to get so much. Your learning transfer is going to increase. Uh, I believe learner employee engagement is going to increase. Employees are going to stick around more uh, for, for a longer period of time. I believe you're going to come up with more innovative products. You're going to have more innovative ideas. You're going to, going to really create that psychological safety um, in, a, in a company that leads to all these great things. Yeah, definitely. I completely agree. I think when you've got a, a comfortable and confident workforce, that will help improve all of those things that you've just mentioned as well.
So, so what are your top um, three takeaways for our listeners? Sure. Um, my top three takeaways. So I'm a I'm a natural learner. So I'm always looking to learn new ways of doing things, more effective ways of doing things, more effective approaches approaches to solving learning transfer problems. And I think people in L and D, I think we're natural learners as well. If you look at um, the popularity of L and D conferences, you know people going to L&D conferences to find those new nuggets of information, to hear about those no, new tools, those new approaches, you know, these new theories of learning and that kind of thing. I think people want those, those little nuggets to come back and to, and to use them and to be smarter in how, they, in how they approach these things. And one of the best nuggets that I've found in my career is looking to the academic research. Um, the academic research is there. Like I said, there's a hundred years on this stuff, but if you want, you can only focus on on, uh, on the last couple of years, uh, because there's research in this topic happening all the time. It's the latest thinking, it's the latest approaches, it's scientifically based, uh, the researchers are following the scientific method, there's rigor, they're using valid and reliable processes, and they are documenting the results and publishing their results. So that's been the the most, I suppose, uh, not, a, not a silver bullet, but it's been, it's been my go-to over the last couple of years because it's given me the very latest thinking, um, but you kind of need to just kind of take what they're saying in, in, yeah, maybe in an academic language, maybe it's a little bit hard to access, but when you get it, when you understand it, you, there's so much um, applicable approaches that can be taken from the, the research setting and applied in a more everyday kind of practical way. So it's definitely an approach that I've used to, to work a little bit smarter uh, and not harder, not to kind of, not to continue down those using those old behaviors that I was using that, that were only leading us to, to very, very little learning transfer. I've looked at the research and that's definitely one thing that I would promote uh, with your listeners. And it's easy to do, like Google Scholar. Everyone's got a, a Google account and you can go to Google Scholar and just type in a search for, for learning transfer and you're gonna get all sorts of good information. Um, if you're a member of your library, I'm sure your library has um, uh, access to EBSCOhost and, and and these different scientific journals, um, or even through your 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 college or university, I'm sure they definitely have access to these different journals. So that's a, that's one definite takeaway for our listeners that are, that are, that I'd love to share. Um, the second takeaway I'd love to share with our listeners is try to understand the strengths and weaknesses of of your learning culture. So I mentioned earlier on about L&D and the business kind of being at odds, we're sending different messages. Well, there is a way that you can understand um, the barriers in place in your learner's ecosystem. Um, you, can, you can use something that's known as the learning transfer system inventory. That's just one approach. It's a survey uh, that you can send out to learners after a training event, before a training event, to really get a sense of how they perceive um, their own skills, their own kind of um, approaches with regards to learning, the the learning that they're exposed to every day, sort of learning content, uh, and also their their learning learners ecosystem. So the conversations with their peers are their peers supportive. Uh, their manager does their manager set aside time to discuss learning? Uh, is there time for this person to actually uh, try out some new things to apply uh, what they what they've been learning? And the the learning transfer system inventory it really gives you a, a great understanding of what's going well in your workplace, but also where's the barriers? So again, it's in that approach of 
working smarter, not harder, like identify where your barriers are. So if you're just like constantly creating e-learnings and sending them out and wondering why they're not working, use the learning transfer system inventory to understand why they're not working. Like maybe this person has just has so much work on their plate that they just don't have time to actually try out anything that they learned in that great e-learning. Or maybe they have a manager who's just wants them to get things done all day and they just don't have enough um, room to breathe in their, in their calendars where they can actually try things out. But you won't know unless you try to understand your, your, your organization's strengths and weaknesses. So that's definitely um, definitely something I'd uh, I'd want to promote as well, um, and the the third one I think you you touched on it earlier on, Katie, is to focus on behaviours, focus on performance rather than learning. So really try to focus on the skills and the behaviours that the business, not L and D, the business wants to see. I think we're definitely stuck in a rut of creating learning and learning materials. We need to shift that mindset to be focused on the behaviors and the performance that we want to see in the performance context, not the learning we want people to cover in a learning environment. And if you take a, if you take a performance focused mindset, someone is going to leave a training event or journey uh, with, they've had enough practice to do what they need to do. And they're going to be able to turn that into, um, into new behaviors much more easily because they've had so much practice they've because your training was designed with a behavior focused mindset so it's much easier to kind of turn things into action when you take that approach with the learning materials focused mindset when the training ends the learner feels like they've done their part you know they've learned some new things and they return to their role and you know we get those poor learning transfer rates but with a learning or sorry with a behavior focused mindset Everything in the training has been centered around new behaviors and new levels of performance. So when the, when the training ends, the learning actually continues because when people are attempting new things, they're actually learning all the time. They're trying something out, they're making changes, making little ad adaptations to how they approach things. So learning really continues at all times. Um, like yes, the learning event has finished, but trying uh failing trying again this is a, a learning process that happens continuously and i believe if you look at things with a behavior and performance focused mindset you can you get to that state bring in your your learning culture and take an academic approach i think you're off to a great start with regards to improving learning transfer in your company i think it's about putting stuff in context as well um especially in regards to kind of the training content that you've got out there obviously you've got the kind of generic off the shelf stuff that that can work um especially around those topics that you find in every business such as fire safety and things like that but um those scenario based that are specific to to companies i think if you create great content that's contextual um that will actually really help your your end users a lot more and a lot more effectively than just creating that off the shelf content that's a bit more generic um because people can't then necessarily apply that easily to to their roles um and i think that's where we kind of fall down as well sometimes as L D, where we just kind of copy and paste from one organization to another um and kind of that some of that good information kind of gets lost and it, it's harder for people to then transfer that knowledge and easily understand what they're meant to be doing as well. Yeah, I, to I totally agree. Um, we've definitely been guilty of that copy and paste approach. Like if, uh, uh, like in an organization, if you're working in a large organization, the learning culture in different departments can be vastly different. You put different sets of people into different groups. 
they will behave differently. I think we've all, you know, uh, either been that person or seen that person, observed that person who is uh, who acts one way, maybe quiet and shy in one group, but then in another group are totally different. They're more outgoing, they're more talkative. And it's because the group norms um, have really kind of dictated how that person approaches. And it's the same with learning. So you might have a very, very positive learning transfer environment in one group uh, with one manager and one set of peers, but in an, with another manager in another department, it might be very, very different. So let's try something different. So if you're going to continue with your, your copy and paste approach and use the same thing for different uh, for different departments and different learning cultures, maybe add something different uh, regarding how the manager is engaged. So send some emails to the manager beforehand, letting them know that your learners are going to training A, B and C, and you hope that they will learn this. But importantly, here's what you can do to help that learner to uh, to think about that training a little bit differently. So by having that simple conversation before a training, um, the, it's changed. So yes, the training is copy and paste, but the the what happens before is a very individual thing between the manager and the learner. The manager and, and the learner are now engaged in the learning process. Uh, the learner now knows that their manager is has an eye on what this person is learning. So how the learner approaches that training is going to be completely different if there was no conversation. So earlier on, I mentioned um, the learner is key, the learning design is key, and the organizational influence, influences are key. So now that learner is much more motivated to go to that training because they know that their manager, their biggest influence, is now involved in their learning. And it's a simple tweak. So yeah, they still join that, that copy and paste training. But what's happened beforehand has changed the learner's approach when they leave that that training event, if you've set up the kind of the ecosystem effectively, um, you could send another email to the manager saying, okay, learner A has now completed training A, B, and C. Um, here's some key things that learner A learned. Um, and here's some questions that you can use to really help learner A to, to turn that into action or to identify areas where they can where they might need your support and where they might might need to be able to try out those new things that we that we learned. So learner A has already gone to the training. They were already mo more motivated because they know the manager was has an eye on these things. Then afterwards, because they've attended more, they've probably learned more, and now they've got the support of their manager afterwards. So yeah, your copy and paste training was the same for everybody, but you've individualized the the kind of the surrounding. Um, the, the, let's say the bookends to that learning event, the before and the after. And learning transfer is much more likely when you can kind of take that approach rather than just slapping that one size fits all training out to everybody and just kind of hoping for the best. Yeah, and I think what, what I found useful in the past as well is kind of that user generated learning. I found that that's been a lot more powerful um, than the content that the learning team have created, because obviously you're, you're going to need your, your kind of base learning that that's applied to every department, whether that's compliance training, induction, etc. Understand that. But when you've got your SME, so your subject matter experts, if you're pulling those out of each of your departments, um, and letting them have some influence over that content that you're actually putting in. Um, you've then got that influence on the people. And I found that people then more um, are likely to watch that sort of content. They're more likely to read that content because they know it's come from their peer group. 
Um, and that's been quite powerful as well. So similar to, to you letting your manager know and how they can support them. I think it's it's peers supporting peers as well and getting them involved in that. Um, and I think that helps for more um, easier learning transfer because people then want to do it and they're not being forced to do it as well. Absolutely. Yeah, you're kind of creating this um, social influence uh, to it because it's it's your peer who's creating the learning and uh, number one the peer who creates that learning is supporting someone else's uh performance and the and and the learner who's who's engaged and and is consuming that learning is more likely to do something with it because it's their peer they know who to go to uh with questions they know that this is an expert in the area and i want to get good in this area so i know who to go to i know that i've got someone's support and i know that like it sounds like that's a that's a positive learning culture. Like if you're sharing learning content with each other, like it's it's a very very positive environment to be in with regards to learning. So learning transfer is much more likely. Yeah, definitely. I I think social learning is really powerful because of that. Um, and when you have got your peers, and and I think you've got the the fear of missing out. That's what I've always found when I've implemented um learning uh, social learning platforms into organizations and and you've the, the organizations allowed you to have that kind of social learning culture as well um you can kind of create the fear of missing out so you're not necessarily pushing people to do learning and ticking a box um and then kind of probably missing out a lot on that learning transfer what you're doing is creating an environment where it's safe to learn um it's safe to collaborate with your peer group but also you, people are thinking well um, Bob over there is doing this. What are they doing? I want to do it because you've got the fear of missing out, similar to how you do on social media anyway, when you see all your friends going out on a night out and you're like, oh, I wish I'd gone out now. You know, you, you're creating that that same um, emotion, I guess, uh, in the workplace, but is then driving that learning as well. And it is driving more people to want to then create a learning, want to share, want to collaborate as well. Definitely. It's a very powerful um, social influencing technique you've been using there, like kind of creating this. You're letting people know that maybe they're in the minority, like everyone else is doing this. I want to do this. You know, if if everybody else is, is doing this, I want to be involved. I want to I want to help other people to learn if that's what everyone's doing. So by, mm -hmm. by kind of creating that, you're kind of generating this, uh, this little chain of behavior change around the company. It's a, it's very, it's a very interesting approach. Yeah, definitely. And it's not like the easiest thing to kind of flick on overnight. And, and it does take some work um, with various stakeholders, etc. But I think once you have got that, and I've worked in organisations previously where, where they've had that, it's actually really powerful. You've kind of gone from before you've implemented the system to people being a bit scared of uh, this new system coming in or this new way of learning coming in. But then a couple of years later, it's it's an integral part of of how people are working day to day. Um, so that's been a really interesting thing to see from, from my personal point of view as well. So thank you very much for joining me today, Fergal. If people want to connect with you or find out more about you, how do they get in touch? Of course, um, LinkedIn, I suppose, would be the, the number one way to con connect with me. I am, I'm always happy to connect with anyone who wants to learn more about learning transfer. I use LinkedIn as a great way to learn from other people as well. So that would be your, your first part of call. Um, I have a website, www.fergalconnolly.com, where I post all my articles and all the different pieces of research um, that I've pulled from and taken from to create more kind of practical and everyday resources. They're all there. And also learning transfer radio is, is available on all the 
the popular podcast um, platforms, Spotify, Apple, Apple Podcasts, all those different places, uh, numerous different ways you can check me out. But today, thank you so much for having me, Katie. This has been a, been a great chat. Awesome. Thank you very much. And we'll add uh, the links that you've just mentioned to our show notes as well. So thank you very much. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Katie. Have a great day. Cheers, you too.